0: this podcast could potentially have adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly the possibility of sexual
1: content. <clears throat> Listener discretion is advised.
0: Welcome to Drinking With Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Eric Lance, still recovering from the delightful cold that my one-year-old granddaughter gave me. Uh, my co-host today, is the amazing Bo Lake, and our guest is the awesome Richard Balow. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hi, I cannot cheer nearly as much as I'd like to. Okay, I'm still, yesterday I made it so that my voice completely went away. It was super exciting. Okay, let's talk about, welcome, welcome, Richard. Um, <laughs> you're, Yes, let's talk about what we're drinking. So I am, you know, trying to, in the spirit of getting better, I maybe put a little bit of vodka in my orange juice so that I'm drinking a more healthy, you know, whatever, until they put me on antibiotics, I'm good. It's fine. Um, but what about you?
1: Oh, you know me. I'm always wrapping that Arizona green tea this week.
0: No, totally. <laughs> Rich, what are you drinking?
2: dog, uh, Killian's Irish Red.
0: Oh, oh, that's good. that's some good stuff right Here. there. Now, that's amazing. Okay, so for our audience that may not know you, what do you write? Well, I got
2: two genres. I write children's picture books, the Martin the Mouse series, and the fourth one just came out today. Actually, it's got delivery. And on the other side of my brain, I write about grieving and recovery from grief and uh, bereavement.
0: Okay, well, those are two very different sides of the brain. Actually, Yes. Um, what made you sort of go down that path? For the let's start with the children's books.
2: Okay, well, the children's books idea came when after I was widowed, I wanted to write stories for my children to make them laugh. Mm-hmm. And the books developed from there. And they laughed. And I told stories to their classrooms and they laughed. It's like, hey, maybe I got something here.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And when did you first publish your first children's book?
2: Um, Right here. Let's see. It's 2018.
0: Oh, wow. Very cool.
2: That's the first one.
0: Awesome. And how many have you put out so far in the children's book series?
2: I have four of them. And I'm planning on twelve.
0: Oh wow, that's super exciting! Are they all in um, about similar characters, or are they different characters?
2: Well, it's um, they have a recurring character. There's Martha Mouse, of course. There's a kid who discovers everything. There's a reporter because people see reporters all day long on TV, and a family pet. So I try to include my pets, past and present, and then my kids' pets. We get them all in there.
0: Very cool. And then you wrote nonfiction about grief. I'm assuming it's due to the loss of your wife.
2: Correct. Okay. After, she, after she passed away, I just kept notes.
0: Oh, very cool. So awesome. what is the name of that book?
2: That is called Life Without Lisa.
0: Awesome. Very cool. And when did you publish that?
2: That was about 2000. Wrong. I do have to look. <laughs>
0: That's I have a okay. bad
2: memory. 2004.
0: Wow. So what got you started writing? Just overall, like, were you, did you write a lot when you were younger? Like, take us on the, let's scooby do the journey all the way back to the beginning. Where did you start?
2: Well, actually, I started about when I was 13. I saw some Indian arrowheads in a display case. And I thought, why did we take up the past? Hey I'll write a book called "Why Does Man Search for His Past?" Uh, never got published. it was just one page because I didn't know how to do a book. Uh, then eventually I went into uh, teenage poetry and writing sort of environmental things in college. and then I found myself broken unemployed, so um, I figured out what to do and it was writing. So I started writing oh, newspaper wow. and magazine articles
0: very cool um so then were did you ever think about writing a fiction book up until the children's books
2: um mostly I'm, i deal with nonfiction. even though i do have some fiction books down and the computer here it's like the oh, nonfiction you- stories always come in the way
0: very cool a uh, very cool so you started with the children's. What did your kids think of the children's books? Were they your, were they your like sort of beta readers? Did you?
2: Uh, they were to, to most of the stories. But by the time I actually got around to publishing them, uh, they were grown men. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, my oldest son has four kids, four boys. Let's see what they think. So I go to, had the oldest one do a promo for me. He's like, no, nah, I'm too old for this grandpa course, the next one saw what his brother did and went yeah like oh wow i think they're cool with it they may not really know what i do
0: well so let's talk about a little bit about um sitting down and writing because a children's book is a very different thing to write than a lot of things how are you able to find um how to do that not like You don't know how to write but writing a very succinct right using the right words that children can understand
2: yeah i I think i think being succinct was helped by my writing poetry where every word counted so there only only maybe 500 words in each book but each word has a purpose and a meaning so it also will teach kids some new and different words and then i just studied children's books I looked at the pages. I looked at how many there were, at templates. And so now I'm at the point where I write out all the page numbers and I give directions to the illustrator what's going on. Then I start adding the dialogue to from cool. start to finish.
0: That is very cool. How did you find your illustrator? Because that's a very big difference, too, with children's yeah. books. It's not like I need a cover artist. You actually need somebody who melds with you to do the pages.
2: Right. It's kind of funny because you when know, I was getting ready to, when I wanted the book published, it was Martin the Moss in the White House. It was called Martin Moss in the White House to begin with. And my sister wrote a book, her one and only children's book. And she was looking for an illustrator and found Lisa J. Michaels. And I loved her illustrations. So she's been doing all my Martin the Moss books. She surprises me and I laugh at what she puts in there. It's like, you know, damn, I got to change my words because to make the book better because of her illustrations. They just make me typical. laugh. Yeah. So I, you know, she lives well north of Tampa, Florida. So whenever I go up to that area for a show, she joins me. And we sit down and laugh and chat and talk about the world and solve all the problems.
0: <laughs> wow. So, what has it been like since you published the book? What has the feedback and stuff been like?
2: Well, I get a lot of feedback. A lot of adults buy it. Children love it. I mean, I go to schools and talk about the book and tell them the stories. And then the principal usually sends me their thank you letters, which are some of them, I love your book. That's about it. Or I like your book. Or they send me 10 pages of their own book. So, oh, wow. Yeah, I really like those. It's it's really fun talking to kindergarten first and second graders. They have great questions too. A <laughs> lot of them asked, "Why are you so obsessed with books?" I wish you got that question, but I told her, "I just I've always loved books."
0: So, what have you loved to read?
2: Um, I like um, action adventure books, true crime. Uh, humor books, biography, history, and basically architecture. I love houses and did a lot of side work um, remodeling homes.
0: Oh, wow. I'm sure you've got some stories just from that. <laughs> no, I think it's very interesting. Um, so how did you go about publishing um, your the book about your wife? Was that traditionally published, self-published? How did you go about that?
2: It was actually traditionally published because I had, had kept notes for five years. I put it in a book form like any other book I read. had it on a disc. And I was at my kid's school helping this lady out with her computer. And she happened to be a publisher of grief pamphlets. So I said, oh, I wrote this book. She said, well, can I see it? Gave her the disc. And she said, we'd like to publish it. And it was the first oh, wow. book. That her company I've ever published. Oh, wow. So I published it. She published it for me. I went on tour basically through Florida, North Carolina, Massachusetts, Hawaii, California, speaking and lecturing, talking about you know, grief and how to get over it. So that book is my bestseller today. It's almost 10,000 copies.
1: Okay. Wow.
0: No, no, totally. But how was that for you going through that? Because obviously you documented this and put it together as part of your grieving process. But then to take it on tour, that's got to have its own kind of situation, right? I mean, it's yeah, it's oh, definitely. telling a story about something. It's very different retelling it or reading parts of it or discussing right. it. So what was yeah. that like?
2: well it was good it was good to write it down because that's sort of part of healing is to get it out of my brain by getting it down on paper and i think i really enjoyed talking with people and telling my story because it helped them in their journeys you know people i had one guy come up to me and he said yeah i lost my wife and it's been 4 months and i can't look at the pictures is that normal like yeah that's normal but i think one of the most surprising things I was speaking at a hospice in California. And after the talk, these two ladies came up and said, You're our hero. And I'm going, Why? Because you didn't get married right away. Oh. <laughs> they, met, they met a lot of widowers, they get married right away within a year or two. And I didn't. Oh wow. And I just I raised wow. my kids. They were five and six and a half at the time my wife passed away. Mm-hmm. And I spent 20 years as a widower before I remarried. So they were. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Did you, upon, I mean, I'm sure, did you do research or was this just written based on your story? Because it sounds like when you were talking to them, that's something that maybe happens a lot. I'm guessing. It's
2: it's, um, mostly my story, but it's questions a lot of people ask. Do you know the site Quora? Would ask
1: questions.
2: Okay. So I'm reading all these grief questions. I'm thinking people are asking the same questions over and over again. Oh, the light bulb goes off. And I wrote this book.
1: Oh, wow. Hello.
2: So to get basically those questions from my experiences and what others have told me and what I've read, as I'm a real supporter of hospice, and I actually served on the board of. Bow hospice here in naples florida for six years
0: oh wow no i think that's amazing
2: i know that can think, be pretty well
0: i think it's very true that the more you can um help give information because mm-hmm. some people have the answers but a lot of times it you know you can't necessarily go on Quora sometimes googling stuff on the internet to ask a question it's kind of like the the, the situation where almost everything you Google um, health wise either leads to now COVID or cancer, like those are the two options. Like mm-hmm. my, I stub my toe. Well, you, you obviously have cancer. Like I feel like that's now. It. Yeah. You obviously have on the internet, you know. So I think it's great when you have the opportunity to give. Um, information to people. Did you find that to be helpful during your grieving process? If you don't mind me asking
2: about getting answers to questions or
0: uh, about being able to share the story and answer people's questions?
2: Yeah, I found it very helpful because it sort of was, even though it's personal, I was sort of getting a distance from it too, that I wasn't just telling my story for the sake of telling it. Was okay. using it as a vehicle to help other people manage their their journey through grief. So, but then again, years later, it's like, do I have to talk about this anymore? I really like to put it behind me. So, basically, I wrote my last grief book. That's this one here. It's a short book, but it sort of just sums up the journey. I saw it as a circle getting knocked off my path and coming back to who
1: I
0: was. Very cool. So how did you publish the last two, that one and the um, one with the questions, the 50 questions?
2: Well, I guess I'm self-published, but I have my own little publishing company. I've published cool. I've published three other authors and possibly a fourth on the horizon. So I've learned publishing and I've published my own books. I I share editors and designers with another publisher that I know. Mm-hmm. I said, Hey, oh, do you wow. know somebody who can do this? And she says, Yep, here are their names. And I found them very good to work with.
0: That's, that's kind of awesome. So I know Bo has questions, but I want to ask this before <laughs> the, the okay. break. Let's start. I know, I know, Bo. I know. But what made you choose to do that? So I know some self-published authors create a publishing company, I'm using quotations, so that their book does not look self-published, especially ones that have been around a while because there was so much stigma with self-published. There's a lot less now, but there's still a little bit of stigma that, oh, you couldn't get published another way, which is really not necessarily the reason that happens, right? (laughs) but what made you decide to, because you did it for yourself, but you've done it for others. So what made you decide to take that leap?
2: Well, basically, with every t- typical writer, the theory of rejection is one. But secondly, it puts me in control of the production and the process of writing it, so I can get the product that I want. So I'm I'm a member of the um, IVPA, Independent Book Publishers, oh, Yeah, uh, FAPA. Florida Authors and Publishers Association. So I used their guidelines on how to go about publishing. Mm -hmm. It's was quite a lot to learn, but I think I have it down almost.
0: (laughs) No, it it is. It's ever growing and ever changing. That's the way which is good. That there's so many changes and stuff. Did you pick certain genres to publish, or did you just pick certain authors you believe in?
2: Um, mostly it's genres, uh, children's picture books. I have three authors that I've already published and their authors are so varied. One, they wrote the book, published it, and then they didn't do anything to sell or promote their own book. Now the other side, I get another author. She's already blown through 500 copies within six months. She says, Oh, I only sold 14 this day. It's like, no, that's good. You're doing a good job. Keep at it. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And it's fun helping other people to get their once in a lifetime book. Sometimes to see it that way out into the world.
0: No, I think that sounds brilliant. I think also, you know, it's interesting. You say that we talk a lot on the show about what people think publishing is and what publishing actually is, you know, yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I'm writing more blog articles and things like that. But I recently wrote a couple chapters for two different books about publishing, right? About, you know, it's cute that you think you can be in a cabin in the woods and write a manuscript and send it down with a deer or something that comes into town and or, or really... <laughs> you know cool badger yeah i i know the wind in the willows i i'm firmly convinced i should have a badger friend i don't yet but i think i should
1: and, I got a book uh,
0: badger. <laughs> uh, oh my gosh i love the wind in the willows but i think a lot of people have this preconceived notion of what it's like to do this and it, it's, it's yeah. not like that you know you right.
2: think they can just get their word document hand it off to amazon and everything's all set. And they don't know about getting an ISBN number, getting a distributor, all the um, copyright information, Library of Congress, and formatting, and designing the interior of the book. So if like you don't turn the page and there's one word there. You know, it's the value of hiring professionals to do that and they have no clue if that happens.
0: No, I agree. I in, in that one of those chapters, and I think they the books are coming out from the Writers Talk Network, is what it's called. It's a group of people gotten together to help other writers. But I put in my my um, uh, chapter about bisect codes and understanding what a bicep code is, right? Yeah. And it was so funny. The person who was editing my chapter for that book was like, "I had no idea," and I'm like, "Yeah." I know nobody does. Nobody gets what a bisect code yeah. is and then they change, you know, and a bisect code for anybody no. listening is sort of the category your book will go in. So like romance, but there's paranormal romance. Say it's about werewolves, yeah. paranormal romance. And then is it steamy? So it could be romance steamy. Like you have to put the right codes so that when people who like paranormal romance and like it's steamy and, right. and you know, uh, want, vampires in it too you could put all these categories to put it in those categories and people have no idea and they go well I put my book up and it didn't sell and you know I've seen books like in weird categories where I'm like how did you choose cookbooks like this isn't a cookbook how did the hell did you choose that bicep code like just craziness yeah and it, it is a lot to understand master but then you were just talking about the production side then there's the flip side that your book is now out in the world. If you're hoping that some little fairy will come along and disseminate it to all the people in the world, I wish there was a book fairy. That would be cool too. Along with my nice. badger friend I'd have an entire escapade of great characters. And I could sing everything that I was doing all day long, but that's not how it goes. You actually have to market your book. You have to find okay. people to put it in the hands of, you know, because there is competition. Not that there's not readers. Cause there's readers for every yeah. single book. It's, Go find the readers, you know?
2: Exactly. I know the children's picture books, my demographics say it's women over 45 or women over 25 who buy the books, respond to all the posts. I mean, 80%.
0: Well, because you can't market. I mean, obviously going to kids, schools and, you know, applied scholastics and stuff, you can market to kids. But... It's not like kids for picture books are generally on their phone scrolling through Facebook, looking yeah. at
1: Facebook. Ads. Kids don't
0: have money.
2: Yeah, so, so well, they're going the parents. Yeah, there's the that too.
0: <laughs> but I think it's interesting because that's got to be a whole different kind of marketing because you're not, you know, putting that together. You have to do a different marketing campaign because you're marketing to parents, right? Right. I'm assuming.
2: Yeah, and the grandparents. And sometimes to the schools too. You know, bring the author in, you know, buy the books and wholesale and or sometimes oh, they give them away, give out the old copies that have been updated. It's like um, like I said, Martin the Mouse in the White House. It was a mouse in the White House, and it had this sort of gray tablecloth. When I started an ad, I said, that doesn't stand out at all. So we changed the tablecloth to new cover. Went with Martin, so people know it, it is a series, a specific one. So I have these, you know, five hundred copies of the old ones. So I give them away to schools. I go and talk to them and give them, give the kids each a copy.
0: Oh my so gosh, it, that's yeah. awesome!
2: It, it works pretty well. Some that's- kids, it's the first book they can bring home.
0: Oh wow! And that's yeah. that's a feeling right there. That's a feeling. That's amazing. Um, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'm actually going to let Bo talk and I'm going to be quiet and just drink my drink because I've been doing a terrible job of letting her do that. So yeah. we will be right back with your Key with Authors.
1: Back to drinking with authors. Now Bo has questions.
0: <laughs> oh gosh, so we, we love to. <laughs> okay. Should I be scared? Yes. Hold on. You should be. <laughs> uh, okay. you shouldn't be. She's the nice one.
1: <laughs> it's true. So you talked about working with an illustrator and having to change colors of things. How do you co- like work back and forth to get the t- type of illustrations you want for your book?
2: Well, basically, I send her the uh, manuscript with the notes for her so she can see what I'm thinking about as the action goes along. And she'll draw, you know, she'll make the uh, page, send it to me and says, okay, what do you think? Emotionally, she's spot on. Sometimes it's like, okay, move this over here, put this word over there. Oh, well, that looks good, but, you know, so we go back and forth. And we're doing all the covers with, with the color tablecloths, just colors to make it brighter. And her illustrations are just in characters. So funny. They're all colors, all shapes, all sizes. And I don't want the um books to get stale, so we talk about that. How are we gonna keep this fresh? I mean, it's the same format, but let's mix it up a little.
1: Do you let her design what the characters look like or do you have descriptions you send her?
2: No, I give her total artistic freedom Mm -hmm. and she loves that because it lets her creativity work too. Right. So the story can stand on its own with the words or even just alone with the art. Right. It's just really a lot of fun. It's a good collaboration because we can talk so easily about it.
1: Mm -hmm. Has there ever been an illustration she's given you that surprised you?
2: Yeah, because I've opened up, looked at the illustration, started laughing. It's like <laughs> well, this is fun. Uh, I'll show you one. Um, this is the new one that basically, basically, got, got the copies in this week. So they're chasing the mouse through the firehouse. You know, we go. I have, I have. to figure out what rooms they're gonna go through. Right. It's like, <clears throat> even though they don't use uh, fire poles anymore, you put a fire pole in it. So the kids reading the book, and they have to turn the book this way. Oh, that's to cool! See all the action. So we're trying oh, to keep it keep it fresh.
1: Yeah, and, and I that's, think that's what's really cool about children's books is you can do that. Yeah. Whereas, like with a novel, everything's the same every time, but you can yeah. be more creative that way.
2: Yeah, and in this book, uh, the mayor of the city is, is a woman.
1: Mm.
2: And actually, it takes place at a fire station where my uncle was a firefighter for many years. So it's just, she really, the the reporter in each book, she has different costumes on, depending on where she's. She has a Halloween costume for the Haunted House book. You know, and it's just, I don't know, I just like it. We work well together. She sort of knows what I like. But she's not afraid for me to criticize her either.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned that there's a reporter in every book because kids know like what a reporter is. Correct. How did you decide to focus on a reporter?
2: Well, because in the first book, uh, Martin Mouse, Martin in the White House,
1: mm-hmm.
2: there's always a reporter at the White House. Yeah. So I figured, okay, should have a reporter there saying some things that are going on. And she just became a staple as a narrator to also narrate what's happening in the book mm-hmm. to give more information. And it just seems to work out. Right. So she's at you know the National Firefighters Day, National Plant Flower Day. So she's reporting on all these events like you see on the normal you know, 6 o'clock news or 4 o'clock news.
1: Mm-hmm. And kids kind of see that like their parents are watching the news, so they happen to walk by and see that there's a reporter. I like that. I like that you chose that. What does your typical writing day look like?
2: Uh, Usually in the morning, I straighten out my desk. (laughs) figure out what I want to do.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: And then I just start, um, I'm focusing now just on the kids' books. I want to get, I have the next four in different stages of completion. Actually, just Mm -hmm. one off. So most of my work I do in the afternoon, between you know twelve thirty and five,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and plus besides the kids' book, I have another uh, nonfiction book. Is about well. uh, hopefully a, a funny book about uh, my parenting adventures. Oh, you know, being a single dad and
1: mm-hmm.
2: and having raising two boys, and you know, cover everything from the traumatic twos to the traumatic teens. And- <laughs> you know, clothing and food and dating and uh, sports and just how much my, how much I traumatize my kids. But of course, only their <laughs> therapists will know for sure.
1: <laughs> I have three boys, so I might have to pick that book up because I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs>
2: well, my oldest son has four sons.
1: Oh, that's our wow. boys.
2: Yeah, four boys, 14, 10, 7, and 3. Oh, wow. 14-year-old is taller than me already. Of course, they all hug differently, too. It's like the 14-year-old, <laughs> it's sort of like the side the hug. one-arm hug, yeah. Yeah, the side. The 10-year-old, he's like, oh, he's right in there. The 7-year-old's like, okay, I'll put up with this, but come look at the video game I'm playing.
1: Yeah.
2: And the 3-year-old's like, what?
1: When when you write your when you write your children's books, do you listen to any type of music?
2: Uh, No.
1: No. (laughs) You like it silent.
2: I like it silent and in my office where it's quiet and
1: Mm
2: -hmm. I can focus.
1: I have to do that too. When I start listening to music, I find myself singing and I'm not paying attention
2: to it. Put the music on when I'm doing inventory or something like that. Um, Lifting heavy boxes.
1: Who is your favorite character in the Martin books and why?
2: Boy, that's a a hard one. I like Martin because he's really kind of um, mischievous and sassy at the same time. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to go with the kid in the first book, The White House, Mm. because he's the one who solves the problem. Mm not the pompous politicians, it's the kid. So the kid is always solves the problem because sometimes kids are smarter, more sensible than adults. Yeah, So,
0: oh, that is so true. True, true.
2: Yeah, but they're all good characters. Mm -hmm.
1: Is there a genre you'd like to write but are too scared to try?
2: Uh, Yeah. like detective fiction.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, I, I have one started, you know, making some changes to it. But it's like, eh, this could work. It could be a series. You know, the repeating characters and all that. I sort of like the dialogue. It came along pretty well. But
1: that's you mentioned like, true crime books. What's your favorite true crime book? true crime?
2: I think it would be Ted Bundy mm-hmm. who such a psychopath. Yeah, for sure. How we just talk to these women into going with them.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's just the psychology of it just fascinating.
1: Did you read the Ann Rule book about him? Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's a good book.
2: It's amazing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I study a lot of true crime and I you think do. people don't uh, and I write a lot of stuff like that and i think people don't realize how um charming things are and how different it also was yeah
1: Mm because it's
0: all the 70s it's always the 70s yeah well it's the 80s there's a bit of it now too though i mean but it's a little bit harder with forensics and stuff like that to get away with as many things as people used to right
2: yeah the technology has changed so much actually makes it easier to find people. Yeah. facial recognition, the DNA, and all the cameras everywhere.
0: Yeah. No. Agreed. Agreed. Um, what about, so what fiction books are sitting there on your uh, computer that we were just talking about? I mean, hypothetically.
2: Um, <laughs> one is called The Tango of Death. Ooh. Is that the detective doesn't drink like other officers, but he ballroom dances. He's at a competition, and the guy falls down dead. He's like, it could be just a heart attack, because it's an old guy. And then a couple weeks later, his, his boss comes in and says, now if this was a murder, and you know the dance world? Here's what we know. Go out and try to solve it. And it meets a lot of crazy characters. Not crazy, but normal people, I guess.
0: So Anyone you, could be a suspect. Do you know the dance world? writing this book
2: yeah i've been ballroom dancing for like 20 years and i've competed some levels competitions and it's very interesting
0: oh yeah you know one of my favorite movies is called strictly ballroom don't know Mm. if you've seen it but it's out of australia i love that movie i don't know that it's a true representation of anything having to do with ballroom dancing but I feel like the person who wrote it knew a little bit about it.
2: <laughs> yeah, a little bit can be dangerous. I mean, you know, most people who dance, you know, we're sort of older and we're going by the book. And then you look at young people who are competing in like world competitions and their their bodies are like gumbies the way they bend and sway.
0: It's like, wow.
2: Break my what back. Made
0: you, what made you get into ballroom dancing?
2: I like dance. I like movement, and it's just a way to sort of express another artistic side of myself. Because I can't draw. I mean, I, my best is stick figures.
0: <laughs> so, so, when is your dance? When is your dance book coming out? Your dance detective book. I like the fact that I could say dance detective in the same sentence. That's pretty good <laughs> for what we're talking about.
2: I'm not sh- sure. I'm not sure with everything. It's usually in my 10-year plan, which is always a 10-year plan. Mm. But I've got, um, this is actually probably, this is maybe the cover to my parenting book.
1: Ooh. Oh, I like it. I like <laughs> it a lot.
2: So this is going to be coming out. I just have to, I've just read penned all the hard copies. So mm. it should be coming out next year. There may be another story in there. About traveling, my midlife motorcycle crisis.
1: Oh! And,
2: and then the, um, then the fiction, the detective fiction. And very I get very cool. I give things to my eldest son to read because he has three novels he's written, but it's not published yet. But he writes some good stuff. I, well, I don't think he wants to really be the cool. publisher because it wouldn't be legitimate.
0: Oh, that's not accurate at all. I know. The only time it's not legitimate is when you... Well, actually, that's not even true because I was about to say when you go to Kinko's, but there's Vines, which I learned about last year, which are generally comic books, little comic books and stories that people self-print off and then sell the printed things. Mm -hmm. And not like you don't go use LSI or whatever. They literally go and print it off and staple it together
1: and oh, like an, old, like an old school zine kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Used to do that in the 70s. Apparently, that's still growing very, very strong, okay. which is awesome. So very yeah. cool. Very, very cool. So it sounds like you've got a lot of books on the horizons in your 10-year plan. You called it a 10-year plan? Is it a 10-year plan?
2: Yeah. Always oh, 10 years.
0: How many books per year are you trying to release, one or more?
2: At least one. You know, the Martin the Firehouse came out this year. Uh, there's another book that's written. It's just the cover work is being done. This is going to be a reprint about mm-hmm. a lady who survived domestic abuse and even her husband shot her, paralyzing her and how she lived with that. And so okay. and this one, maybe the motorcycle one, and then on to trying fiction.
0: Very cool. That's very very cool.
1: That keeps me awesome.
0: going. No, I think it's fantastic. Do you ever think about speeding up a little bit, doing more than one a year?
2: Yeah, I'd like to. But sort of a lot of things get in the way, like life and uh, you know paying the I bills and a doing the company yeah. I know. I've got a board meeting tomorrow.
0: <laughs> uh, what about um, reviews? What is it like to get reviews on children's books? How does that work? How do reviews on children's books work?
2: Good question. I'd like to get a, have an answer for that myself. But mostly <laughs> people that I know review them. Because they buy them and they review them. You know, all the friends I have, my wife, They all buy them. Mm -hmm. Trying to get other people out of there is more it's the toughest one. I gotta reach back to other people that I know to say, hey, can you review this for me? So I get people from out of state doing that too. Right. I'm not that good at getting reviews,
0: unfortunately.
2: It's one of my downfalls.
0: Oh well, you know, I think it's interesting. I'm I'm curious if. I'm sure somebody out there, if you're listening, you could always post to us to say, How do you get reviews for children's books? Because it's usually kids. So I'm assuming the parents have to yeah. they get those reviews in place, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Or the grandparents, or favorite uncles, or aunts, something like that.
0: Yeah. Do you ever uh, record your stories?
2: I did it one time and I had trouble uploading it.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So one and I even well, one thing I did was I had a story hour at my office, open to the public. So we had you know a couple of parents and three kids come in, and we had two of the other authors come in and read their books to the kids. And then from my book, uh, my grandson read it. He get dressed up in the Abe Lincoln coat and hat, and read the the White House book. That's oh cute. wow! How cool
0: is that? <laughs>
2: Then he wore the hat and coat out for lunch because <laughs> kids just like to do that.
0: So that's really neat, though.
1: Yeah. It's so you've talked exciting. about um, that you've done conventions and book tours. What is your favorite uh, memory from doing those?
2: Uh, I was at the uh, Venice, Florida book fair mm-hmm. one year. You know, I've got my books. i got my Nonfiction books. I have journals and kids' books. And these couple of ladies are walking by. And one lady stops and goes, points to one of books. I have that book. I got it in Missouri. Mm. It's like what? There was a grief group that bought
1: my books. So it's
2: pretty cool.
1: That is cool. I love like hearing that my books have like surpassed like my general area, and yeah. like I'll see like them at a bookstore like. States away, and I'm like, "How did you get there?" (laughs) What is the hardest part about being a writer?
2: uh The marketing of the books,
1: Mm.
2: you know, because I'm somewhat of an introvert. It's hard for me to go into a bookstore and like, "Hey, how do I get my book here?" Usually, they're pretty good. Said, "Okay, here's a car. This is the person to contact." So, and that's good. So, I have what I call Marketing Mondays. On Mondays, I Just work on marking materials, planning out where I'm going to go. So with Martin in the firehouse, we're going to do it in my hometown where the the story is based. My brother lives in Boston, so he knows people there. One of my youngest son's friends is a battalion leader here in Naples, so we can talk with him. My brother-in-law in Providence, Rhode Island, he knows everybody. So we're going to set up speaking gigs. You
1: know,
2: donate 10% of the proceeds to the Fireman's Fund and hopefully sell a lot of books.
1: That's funny that you say you're an introvert when you do uh, brief tours and you have to tell your own story. Uh, how, how is that difficult for you?
2: Yeah, I have to get into, um, call my actor mode. Mm. I have to get outside of myself first. Start to talk to it, then I can draw into myself of what I've actually learned. You know, sometimes you get close to tears too because it was a traumatic event. Right. And, um, but I do it that way, you know, and trying to connect with the audience to begin with is
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's difficult. Okay. What is it about this audience that is unique about the last one? And how do I make that connection? It could be something in the room. Something somebody said. What group is it? It's a group of nurses. Okay, well, that's my intro. I know a lot. I know a lot of nurses. And so, yeah, I get to that point so that people know that I'm really speaking from the heart, and know that I they I empathize with what they're going through because I've been there, and they can't speak about it, but I I can. I give a voice to what they're going through.
1: What is your advice for other writers?
2: I think the the one piece of advice I'd give other writers is to, when you pick your project to write your story that you're going to write, do that only stick with that and keep writing it. Either you're perfecting a page or you write the whole thing at once and then go back a thousand times to perfect it. Right. Because I was kind of scattered writing little bits of everything. It was getting me nowhere. It wasn't getting close to being published. Mm-hmm. I want to concentrate on one book. That's when it works well. So I think that's the advice. Work your one project until you finished, and then get a good editor.
1: Right. And I like that you said do it a thousand times. Like, keep going over that one book because you have to perfect it as much as you can before you send it to an editor.
2: Right. But I sent one to an editor and she still made mistakes. So I had the book out there and so it was, oh, found a spelling error on page 85. I'm thinking, okay, one typo is not too bad. And other people started saying it. I went through and there were 20% of the book had errors and that had been through an editor. So re went through it again, re-edited it, reformatted it, new cover. And it's gonna get back out there.
0: Sometimes that's what it takes to do stuff, you know. Yeah. Sometimes you have to redo it. I tell that to to self-published authors, sometimes with their first books, too. Like sometimes you have to step back and relook at it now that you know more about what the actual yeah. audience looks like for that. Right. So I think that's great advice. Okay, we're gonna wrap up here. Rich, what's some shameless self promotion time? How do people find you and your books?
2: They find me at richardballo.com, R A C H A R D B A L L O.com, or martinthemouse.com, or Toman very, Price.
0: <laughs> very, very cool. Thank you so much for being on this podcast with us. Oh, you're this welcome, It's been a ton of fun.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Bo. I appreciate it.
0: absolutely guys this has been drinking with authors i've been your host erica lance my co-host has been the amazing Bo lake do not forget to like and subscribe leave us a comment or review we'd love to hear it and we will see you guys next time